Annyeong, Yeolbun. <laughs> A Korean wanna be here. So welcome to episode number I think six. Okay. So today I'm going to read about rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease from the textbook of pathology written by Harsh Mahon, eighth edition. Rheumatic fever is a systemic post-streptococcal non-separative inflammatory disease principally affecting the heart, joints, central nervous system, skin, and subcutaneous tissue. The chronic stage of rheumatic fever involves all the layers of heart, uh, that is pancarditis, causing major cardiac sequelae, referred to as rheumatic heart disease. In spite of its name, suggesting an acute arthritis migrating from joint to joint, it is well known that it is the heart rather than the joints, which is first and major organ affected. Uh, decades ago, William Voigt gave the dictum, that is, rheumatism licks the joint but bites the whole heart. Incidence. The disease appears most commonly in children between the age of 5 to 15 years when the streptococcal infection is most frequent and intense. Both the sexes are affected equally, though some investigators have noted a slight female preponderance. The geographic distribution, incidence, and severity of rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease are generally related to the frequency and severity of uh, streptococcal pharyngeal infections. Uh, the disease is seen more commonly in poor socioeconomic strata of the society, living in damped and overcrowded places which uh, promote interpersonal spread of the streptococcal infection. Its incidence has declined in the developed countries as a result of improved living conditions and early use of antibiotics in streptococcal infection. But it is still common in the developing countries of the world, particularly prevalent in Indian subcontinent that is, uh, that are India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, Afghanistan some Pacific countries, Sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America. In India, rheumatic heart disease and rheumatic fever continue to be a major health problem. In a multi-centric survey in school-going children by the Indian Council of Medical Research, an incidence of 1 to 1.5 per 1,000 children has been reported. Pathogenesis. After a long controversy, the etiologic role of preceding throat infections with group A beta hemolytics 
Streptococci in rheumatic fever is now well accepted. However, the mechanism of lesions in the heart, joints, and other tissue is not by direct infections but by inductions of hypersensitivity or autoimmunity in a susceptible host. Thus, there are three groups of factors in the etiology and pathogenesis of rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease, which are environmental factor, host susceptibility, and immunologic evidences. First, we have environmental factors. There is sufficient clinical and epidemiological evidence to support the concept that rheumatic fever occurs following infections of the throat and upper respiratory tract with beta-hemolytic streptococci of Lansfield group A. These evidences are as under. Number one, there is often a history of infections of the pharynx, upper respiratory with this microorganism about two to three weeks prior to the attack of rheumatic fever. This period is usually the latent period required for sensitizations to the bacteria. Number two, subsequent or ongoing attacks of streptococcal infection are generally associated with recurrent episodes of acute rheumatic fever. Number three, a higher incidence of rheumatic fever has been observed after outbreaks and endemics uh, epidemics of streptococcal infections of trout in children from schools or in young men from training camps number four administrations of antibiotics leads to lowering of incidence as well as severity of rheumatic fever and its recurrences Number five, cardiac lesions similar to those seen in the rheumatic heart disease have been produced in experimental animals by inductions of repeated infections of beta-hemolytic streptococci of group A. Number B, socioeconomic factors like poverty, poor nutrition, density of populations, overcrowding in quarters of, uh, for sleeping, etc. are associated with spread of infections, lack of proper medical attention, and hence higher incidence of rheumatic fever. Number seven, the geographic distribution of the disease as already pointed out shows higher frequency and severity of the disease in the developing countries of the world where the living conditions in underprivileged populations are substandard and medical facilities are insufficient. Children in these regions develop recurrent throat infections which remain untreated and have higher incidence of rheumatic fever. The role of climate in the development of rheumatic fever has been reported by some workers. The incidence of the disease is higher in subtropical and tropical regions with cold, damp climate near the rivers and waterways which favors the spread of infection. Despite all these evidences, only a small proportion of patients with streptococcal pharyngeal infections develop rheumatic fever. The attack is less than 3%. There is a cessation that uh, Concomitant virus enhances the effect of streptococci in individuals who develop rheumatic fever. Then the second factor is host susceptibility. Since all individuals with streptococcal infections do not develop rheumatic fever, role of inherited characteristic for the disease has been reported. Clustering of disease in families, occurrence in identical twins, uh, individuals with human leukocyte antigen class A alleles, particularly HLA-DR7 and HLA-DR4, have strong associations with recurrent fever. 
First degree relatives of patients with rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease have increased expressions of a particular alloantisins that is D817 on B cells which may act as a marker of inherited susceptibility for the disease. Another factor is immunologic evidence. It has been observed that though thought of patients during acute rheumatic fever may contain streptococci, the clinical symptoms of rheumatic fever appear after a delay of 2 to 3 weeks and the organism cannot be grown from the lesions in the target tissues. This has led to the concept that the lesions have immune pathogenesis. Evidences in support are as under. Patients with rheumatic fever have elevated titers of antibodies to the antigens of beta-hemolytic streptococci or group A such as anti-streptolysin O, ASO for short and S, and anti-streptokinase, anti-streptohyaluronidase, and anti-DNAs B. Cell wall polysaccharide of group A streptococcus forms antibodies which are reactive against cardiac bulbs. Uh, this is supported by observations of persistently elevated corresponding autoantibodies in patients who have cardiac valvular involvement than those without cardiac valve bulb involvement. Hyaluronate capsule of Group A streptococcus is identical to human hyaluronate present in the joint tissue and thus these tissues are the targets of attack. Membrane antigens of group A streptococcus react with sarcolemma of smooth and cardiac muscles, dermal fibroblasts and neurons of the caudate nucleus. Summary of organism host susceptibility immunity hypothesis. Combining the three types of evidences given above, pathogenesis of rheumatic fever, rheumatic heart disease can be summed up as follows. Number one, a susceptible host on being encountered with group A streptococcus infections, mounts and autoimmune reactions by formations of autoantibodies against the bacteria. Then these autoantibodies cause Damage to human tissue due to cross-reactivity between epitopes in the components of the bacteria and the host. Streptococcal epitopes present on the bacterial cell wall, cell membrane and the streptococcal and protein are immunologically identical to the human molecules on myosin, keratin, actin, laminin, vimentin and N-acetylglucosamine. Then, molecular mimicry and cross-reactivity between the streptococcal and protein in particular and the human molecules forms the basis of autoimmune damage to human targets tissues in rheumatic heart disease that is cardiac muscle bulbs joints skins neurons etc features. Rheumatic fevers is generally regarded as an autoimmune focal inflammatory disorder of the connective tissues throughout the body. The cardiac lesions of rheumatic fever in the form of 
pancreatitis. Particularly, the valvular lesions are its major manifestations. However, supportive connective tissues at other sites like synovial membrane, periarticular tissue, skin, and subcutaneous tissue, arterial wall, lungs, pleura, and CNS are all affected. That is extracardiac lesions. Cardiac lesions. The cardiac manifestations of rheumatic fever are in the form of focal inflammatory involvement of the interstitial tissues of all the three layers of the heart, that so-called pancarditis. The pathognomonic features of pancarditis of rheumatic fever is the presence of distinctive escop nodules or escop bodies. The escop nodules or bodies. The escop nodules or the Escop bodies are spheroidal or fusiform, distinct tiny structures, 1 to 2 mm in size, occurring in the interstitium or the heart in rheumatic fever and may be visible to the naked eye. They are especially found in the vicinity of small blood vessels in the myocardium and endocardium and occasionally in the pericardium and the adventitia of the proximal part of the aorta. Lesions similar to the escop nodules may be found in the extracardiac tissues. Evolutions of fully developed escop body occurs through three stages, all of which may be found in the same heart at different stages of development. They are as follows. Number one, early, that is exudative or degenerative stage. The earliest sign of injury in the heart in rheumatic fever is apparent by about fourth week of illness. Initially, there is edema of the connective tissues and increase in acid mycopolysaccharide in the ground substance. This results in the separations of the collagen fibers by accumulating ground substance. Eventually, the collagen fibers are fragmented and disintegrated and affected focus takes the appearance and the standing characteristics of fibrins. This change is referred to as the fibrinoid degeneration. Second, intermediate or proliferative or granulomatous stage. It is this stage of the escop body which is pathognomonic of rheumatic conditions. This stage is apparent in 4 to 13 week of illness. The early stage of fibrinoid chains is followed by proliferations of cells that includes infiltrations by uh, lymphocytes, mostly T cells, plasma cells, a few neutrophils and characteristic cardiac histiocytes and escop cells at the margins of the lesion. Cardiac histiocytes or anescope cells are present in the small number in normal heart but their number is increased in the escop bodies therefore they are not character- characteristics of um, rheumatic heart disease these are large mononuclear cells having central round nuclei and contain moderate amount of amphophilic cytoplasm the nuclei are vesicular and contains prominent central chromatin mass which is longitudinal sections appear serrated or caterpillar-like which uh, while in cross sections the chromatin mass appears as a round small rounded body in the center of the vesicular nucleus just like an owl's eyes some of these modified cardiac histiocytes becomes multinucleated cells containing one to four nuclei and are called escop cells and are the pathognomonic of the rheumatoid heart disease 
The third stage is the lab healing or fibrous stage. The stage of healing by fibrosis of the SCOF nodules occurs in about 12 to 6 weeks after illness. The nodule becomes oval or fusiform in the safe about 200 micrometer wide and 600 micrometer long. The aniscope cells in the nodule become spindle shaped with diminished cytoplasms and the nuclei stands solidly rather than showing vascular character this cell stands to be arranged in a palisade manner with passage of months and years the scope body become less cellular and the collagenous tissue is increased eventually it is replaced by a small fibrocollagenous scar with little cellularity frequently in perivascular locations three layers of the heart are affected in rheumatic fever the intensity of their involvement is variable rheumatic endocarditis endocardial lesions of rheumatic fever may involve the valvular and mural endocardium causing rheumatic valvulitis and mural endocarditis respectively rheumatic Valvulitis is chiefly responsible for the major cardiac manifestations in chronic rheumatic heart disease. Rheumatic valvulitis. Grossly, the value in the valves in acute rheumatic fever shows thickening and loss of translucency of the valve leaflets or cups. This is followed by the formations of characteristic small, which are 1 to 3 mm in diameter multiple wordy vegetations or varicy chiefly along the line of closure of the leaflets and cusps these tiny vegetations are almost continuous so that the three margins of the cusp or leaflets appear as a rough in irregular ridge the vegetations in the rheumatic fever appear gray brown translucent and are firmly attached so that they are not likely to get detached to form emboli unlike the frival vegetations of the infective endocarditis though all the four heart bulbs are affected their frequency and severity of involvement varies Mitral valve alone being the most common site, followed in decreasing order of frequency by combined mitral and aortic valve. The tricuspid and the pulmonary bulbs usually source infrequent and slight involvement. The higher incidence of vegetations on left side of the heart is possibly because the greater mechanical stress on the valve of the left heart, especially along the line of the closure of the cusps. The occurrence of vegetations or the on the arterial surface of the atrioventricular bulbs which are mitral and tricuspid and on the ventricular surface of the semilunar bulbs that are aortic and pulmonary further lens supports the role of mechanical pressure on the bulbs in the pathogenesis of vegetations. The chronic stage of Rheumatic heart disease is characterized by permanent deformity of one or more valves 
uh, especially the mitral in 98% cases alone or along with the other valves and aortic the approximate frequency of deformity of various valves is under mitral alone 37 cases mitral as well as aortic 27 cases mitral aortic and tricuspid 22 cases mitral plus tricuspid 11 cases and aortic alone two persons mitral aortic tricuspid and pulmonary equals to less than only one percent cases thus mitral buff is almost always involved in rheumatic heart disease gross appearance of chronic healed mitral bulb in rheumatic heart disease is characterized characteristically fish mouth or buttonhole stenosis mitral stenosis and insufficiency are commonly combined in the chronic rheumatic heart disease calcific aortic stenosis may also be found this hill chronic valvular lesions in the rheumatic heart disease occur due to diffuse fibrocollagenous thickening and calcifications of the valve cusp or leaflets which cause adhesions between the lateral portions especially in the regions of the commissures Thickening, shortening, and diffusions of the cordy tendony further contribute to the chronic valvular lesions. Microscopically, the inflammatory changes begin in the regions of the valve rings where the leaflets are attached to the fibrous annulus and then extend throughout the entire leaflets, whereas vegetations are usually located in the free margins of the leaflet and cusps. Uh, in the early or the acute stage, the histological changes are edema of the valve leaflets, presence of increased number of capillaries and infiltrations with lymphocytes, plasma cells, histiocytes with many anescope cells and few polymorphs, uh, occasionally escope bodies with central foci of the fibrinoid necrosis and surrounded by the palisades of the cardiac histocytes are seen but more often the cellular infiltration is diffuse in the acute stage of rheumatic fever visitations present at the free margins of the cusps uh, appear as eosinophilic thin structures mainly consisting of fibrin with superimposed Platelet thrombine do not contain bacteria. In healed or chronic state, the vegetations have undergone organization. The bulbs shows diffuse thickening as a result of fibrous tissue with high lineizations and often calcification. Vascularizations of the bulb cusps may still be evident in the form of thick walled blood vessels with narrowed lumina. The typical escop bodies are rarely seen in the bulbs at this stage. Rheumatic mural endocarditis. Mural endocardium may also source features of rheumatic carditis though the changes are less conspicuous as compared to the valvular changes. Grossly, the lesions are seen most commonly as McCallum's patch which is the regions of endocardial surface in the posterior wall of the left atrium just above the posterior leaflets 
of the mitral valve. McCallum's patch appears as map-like areas of the thickened, roughened, and wrinkled part of the endocardium. Microscopically, the appearance of McCallum patch is similar to that in the rheumatic valvulitis. Uh, the affected area shows edema, fibrinoid chains in the collagen and cellular infiltrates of lymphocyte plasma cells and macrophages with many and its cough cells. Typical scop bodies may sometimes be found. Secondly, rheumatic myocarditis. Grossly, in the early or the acute stage, the myocardium, especially the left ventricle, is soft and flabby. In the uh, intermediate stage, the interstitial tissues of the myocardium so small foci of necrosis leather tiny pale foci of the escort bodies may be visible throughout the myocardium microscopically the most characteristic features of rheumatic myocarditis is the presence of distinctive escort bodies the uh, these diagnostic nodules are scattered throughout the interstitial tissue of the myocardium and are most frequent in the interventricular septum left ventricle and atrium. Uh, derangements of the conduction system may thus be present. The escape bodies are best identified in the intermediate stage when they appear as granulomas with central fibrinoid necrosis and are surrounded by palisade of aniscoff cells and multinucleate Escap cell. This is infiltration. The, there is infiltrations of lymphocytes, plasma cells, and some neutrophils. In the late stage, the escap bodies are gradually replaced by small fibrous scars in the vicinity of the blood vessels and the inflammatory infiltrate subsides. Presence of active escap bodies along with the old heel lesion is indicative of rheumatic activity. Third, rheumatic pericarditis. Inflammatory involvement of the pericardium commonly uh, accompanies rheumatic heart disease. Grossly, the usually finding in fibrous, uh, fibrinous pericarditis in which there is loss of normal shiny pericardial surface due to depositions of fibrin on its surface and accumulations of the slight amount of fibrinous exuded in the pericardial sac. If the parietal pericardium is pulled off from the visceral pericardium, the two separated surfaces are saggy due to thick fibrin covering them. This appearance is often likened to bread and butter appearance that is resembling the buttered surface of two slices in a sandwich when they are gently pulled apart if fibrinous pericarditis fails to resolve and instead undergoes organizations the two layer of pericardium form fibrous adhesions resulting in the chronic adhesive pericarditis uh, microscopically fibrin is identified on the surface the subserosal connective tissue in the infiltrated it is infiltrated by lymphocytes, plasma cells, histiocytes, and a few neutrophils. Characteristic escape bodies may be seen, which later undergo uh, organizations and fibrosis. Organizations of the exuded causes fibrous adhesions between the visceral and the parietal surface of the pericardial segments of literates the pericardial activity. A cavity. Sorry.
distinguishing features of vegetations in major form of endocarditis which are rheumatic endocarditis leafman sex endocarditis non-bacterial thrombo uh, thrombotic endocarditis and bacterial or infective endocarditis both commonly affected in rheumatic it is mitral alone or mitral and erotic combined in leafman sex mitral tricuspid in non-bacterial thrombotic mainly mitral less often erotic and tricuspid however in bacterial or infective endocarditis mitral erotic or combined mitral and erotic locations on bulbs cups or leaflets in rheumatic it occurs along the line of closure arterial surface of the atrioventricular bulbs and the ventricular surface of the semilunar bulbs uh, in Lippmann sacs it occurs on both surface of the bulb leaflets or, or cups in the bulb pockets uh, in non-bacterial thrombotic endocarditis it occurs along the line of closure and in bacterial or infective endocarditis uh, the subacute bacterial endocarditis uh, it occurs more often on the disease bulbs and in acute bacterial uh, endocarditis it occurs on previously normal bulbs uh, however all the locations is same as the rheumatic heart disease gross appearance in rheumatic the gross appearance is small, multiple, warty, gray, brown, translucent, firmly attached, generally produce permanent valvular deformity. In Livman's sex, medium-sized, multiple, generally do not produce significant valvular deformity. In non-bacterial thrombotic endocarditis, gross appearance is small, but larger than those of rheumatic single or multiple brown, uh, brownish firm and more friable than those of rheumatic and in bacterial endocarditis there are often large gray tawny to greenish irregular singular or multiple typical friable Microscopic features Rheumatic endocarditis uh, First, composed of fibrin with superimposed platelets, thrombi and no bacteria And secondly, adjacent and underlying endocardium source edema, proliferations of the capillaries, mononuclear inflammatory infiltrates and occasional ascabodies Microscopic features of Lippmann's sac endocarditis Number one, composed of fibrinoid material with superimposed fibrin and platelet thromba and no bacteria. Secondly, the underlying endocardium shows fibrinoid necrosis, proliferations of capillaries, and acute and chronic inflammatory infiltrate, including the hematoxylin bodies of gross. Then, in non 
bacterial thrombotic uh, microscopic features first composed of generated valvular degenerated valvular tissue fibrin platelets thrombi and no bacteria secondly the underlying bulbs show swelling of collagen fibrinoid chains proliferations of the uh, capillaries and no significant inf- inflammatory cell filtrates lastly in uh, the microscopic features of bacterial or infective endocarditis rs follows number 1 composed of outer eosinophilic zone of fibrin and platelets covering the colonies of bacteria and deeper zone of non specific acute and chronic inflammatory cells the underlying endocardium shows abscesses in the acute bacterial endocarditis and inflammatory granulations tissues in the subacute bacterial endocarditis extra cardiac lesions the patients of the syndrome of acute rheumatism develop lesions in the connective tissue elsewhere in the body chiefly the joint subcutaneous tissue arteries brains and lungs polyarthritis acute and painful inflammations of the synovial membranes of some of the joints especially the larger joints of the limbs is seen in about 90% cases of rheumatoid fever in adults and less often in children uh, as pain and swelling subsides in one joints other tends to get involved producing the characteristic migratory polyarthritis involving two or more joints at a time histologically the changes are transitory the synovial membrane and the peri articular connective tissue source hyperemia edema fibrinoid chains and neutrophilic infiltration sometimes the focal lesions resembling escob bodies are observed uh, a serous infusions in the joint cavity is commonly present subcutaneous nodules the subcutaneous nodules of rheumatic fever occur more often in children than in adults these nodules are small which are 0.5 to 2 cm in diameter, spherical or oval, and penless. They are attached to the deeper structures like tendons, ligaments, fascia, or periosteums, and therefore often remain unnoticed by the patients. Characteristic locations are extensor surface of the wrist, elbow, ankles, and knees. Histologically, the subcutaneous nodules of rheumatic fevers are repetitive of uh, giant escob bodies of the heart. They consist of three distinct zones, a central area with fibrinoid changes surrounded by the zone of histocytes and fibroblasts forming a palisades arrangements and the outer zones of connective tissue which is infiltrated by non-specific chronic inflammatory cells and uh, proliferating blood vessels. It may be mentioned here that histologically similar but clinically different subcutaneous lesions appears in the rheumatic, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, they are larger, painful, and tendon and persist for months to years. Erythema marginatum. This non 
Puritic erythematous rash is characteristic of rheumatic fever. The lesion occurs mainly on the trunk and the proximal part of the extremities. The erythematous area uh, develops central clearing and has slightly elevated red margins. The erythema is transient and migratory. Rheumatic arteritis. Arteritis in rheumatic fever involves not only the coronary arteries and the aorta but also occurs in the arteries of various other organs such as renal, mesenteric, and cerebral arteries. The lesions in the coronaries are seen mainly in the small intramyocardial branches. Histologically, the lesions may be like those of the uh, hypersensitivity, angitis. or sometimes may resemble the polyarteritis nodosa. Occasionally, foci of the fibrinoid necrosis or ill form escaped by this may be present close to the uh, vessel wall. Chorea minor. Chorea minor or Sydenham's chorea or St. Vitus dance is a uh, delayed manifestations of the rheumatic fever as a result of involvement of the central nervous system the condition is characterized by disordered and involuntary jerking movement of the trunk and the extremities accompanied by some degree of emotional instability the conditions occurs more often in younger age particularly in girls histologically the lesions are located that in the cerebral hemisphere, brainstem, and the basal ganglia. They consist of small hemorrhages, edema, perivascular infiltrations of the lymphocytes. They may be uh, an arteritis, obliterance, and thrombosis of the cortical and meningeal vessels. Lastly, rheumatic pneumonitis and pleuritis. Involvement of the lungs and the pleura occurs rarely in rheumatic fever. Pleuritis is often accompanied with the serofibrinous pleural infusions but definite escape bodies are not present. In uh, rheumatic pneumonitis, the lungs are large, firm and rubbery. Histologically, the changes are edema, capillary hemorrhages and focal area or of fibrinous fibrinous exudates in the alveoli scope but these are generally not found clinical features diagnosis and prognosis the first attack of acute rheumatic fever generally appears two to three weeks after the streptococcal pharyngitis most often in children between the age of 5 to 15 years with subsequent streptococcal pharyngitis there is a reactivations of the disease and similar clinical manifestations appear with each recurrent attack the, gen- uh, the disease generally present with migratory polyarthritis and fever However, rheumatic fever has widespread systemic involvement and no single specific laboratory diagnostic test is available. As per revised WHO criteria 2004 based on the revised Jones criteria first described by Dr. T.D. Jones in 1944 and latest revised in 1992, following major and minor criteria and some supportive evidence of preceding infections are included for diagnosis. Number uh, First, measure criteria. 
carditis 50 to 60% cases polyarthritis which occurs in 60 to 75 cases chorea that is sindenham's chorea which occurs in 2 to 30% cases erythema marginatum which occurs in less than 5% subcutaneous nodules less than 5% then minor criteria which are fever uh, polyarthrosia previous history of rheumatic fever laboratory findings like elevated esr res c reaction uh, reactive proteins and leukocytosis and lastly ecg finding of prolonged pr intervals supportive evidence of group a streptococcal infections in the preceding 45 days first there should be positive trot culture for group a streptococci then rest titers of streptococcal antibodies uh, like uh, anti streptolysin o and s anti streptokinases anti streptohyaluronidase and anti dnas b clinical diagnosis of rheumatic fever and the rheumatic heart disease is met in a case with antecedent laboratory evidence of streptococcal throat infections in the presence of any two of the major criteria or occurrence of one major and two minor criteria uh, if the heart is spared in a case of acute rheumatic fever the patients may have complete recovery without any sequelae however once the heart is involved it is uh, often associated with reactivations and recurrences of the disease myocarditis in particular is the most life threatening due to the involvement of the conduction system of the heart and results in serious arrhythmias the long term sequelae or stigmata are the chronic valvular deformities especially the mitral stenosis as already just explained initially a state of compensation occurs while later the compensations of the heart leads to full blown cardiac failure Uh, currently surgical replacement of the damaged valve can alter the clinical course uh, of the disease the major causes of death in the rheumatic heart disease are cardiac failure bacterial endocarditis and embolism cardiac failure is the most common cause of death from rheumatic heart disease in young patients cardiac failure occurs due to the chronic valvular deformities while in older patients coronary artery disease may be superimposed on the old rheumatic heart disease bacterial endocarditis of both acute and subacute type may supervene due to inadequate use of uh, in uh, antibiotics embolism in the rheumatic heart disease originates most commonly from the mural thrombi in the left atrium and its appendices uh, in association with mitral stenosis uh, the organs most frequently affected are the brain kidneys spleen and lungs sudden death may occur in rheumatic heart disease as a result of ball thrombus in the left atrium and due to acute coronary insufficiency in associated with the aortic stenosis So here's the end of the brief discussion about the rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease thank you